Welcome, friends. I am so glad that you are here in this moment as we get ready to lean into worship together. And just to prepare our hearts uh, for this moment of worship, allow me to read a snippet of Psalm 105 over us. It says this, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim His greatness. Let the whole world know what He has done. Sing to Him. Yes, sing His praises. Tell everyone about His wonderful deeds. Exult in His holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Now, what I love about this passage of scripture is that there is this reminder that when we worship the Lord, we are actually serving as a, it serves as a witness to the whole world around us. That as we worship, we have opportunity to reflect back the glory and majesty of God into this world. And this is a, a beautiful thing. And so I want to invite you, regardless of, of where it is that you're engaging with us from, to bring your whole self into this moment of worship, body, mind, and spirit, knowing that as we praise God together, we are communicating a message of hope and joy and victory to the world around us. So let's join our voices and praise the strong name of our Lord.
alegría y vida con mi cielo sin armonía a ti adoramos solo en ti soy libre solo en ti hay vida con mi cielo sin armonía a ti feel unworthy 
Over the course of the last seven months or so, we have had regular opportunity to step into moments like this and engage in the gift of prayer. And every so often, we will pause and sort of lift out and examine closely a very special prayer that was given to us by Jesus. It's called the Lord's Prayer. 
Now we find this prayer both in Matthew 6 and Luke 11, but the Matthew 6 account is fascinating to me because it it has the prayer that, that it's kind of attached to a larger block of teaching from Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, Jesus touches on a, a variety of topics. Where maybe it's marriage or revenge. It's maybe it's love or money or justice or, or discipleship topics. Uh, he, he talks about a wide range of things. And in my mind, it is so appropriate and fitting that the Lord's Prayer is found nestled up and around these practical and relational needs and themes because prayer has the power to impact every area of our life. So when we go to the Lord in prayer, we can take the really practical things in our life to Him. We can pray for the health of our marriage. We can pray for a work dynamic, maybe a relational challenge at work. We can pray for a financial stress that we have in our lives. That's all fair game. And, and God's got, you know, God can handle all of the things that we bring before Him. In just a moment, I'm gonna invite you to pray this great Lord's Prayer with me together. And as we do so, I wanna just invite you to lay all of your practical and relational needs before the throne of Jesus. And as you pray this great prayer, listen closely for how this prayer from Jesus to us can cover the wide range of human needs and emotions. So let's pray this prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Well, it's official. This week marks three years since the beginning of 2020. Now, some of you are doing the math, and you're not quite sure how it works, but you're realizing that even though it's barely the beginning of November, it's true. This has been a really long and challenging season for many of us. It's been a time of untold change and challenge and opportunity for us and our communities and our families. And it seems like it's been a long haul. But we've been anchoring in this conversation through a book called Ecclesiastes, where we remember these truths, that for everything there is a season, a time for everything under heaven. It's a reminder for you and for me, no matter how long the season is or how challenging, that God is at work in and through every season. It's a reminder that he sees us and he knows what he's up to. But you know, all of this conversation that we've been having 
through this series called Seasons has me remembering and reflecting on the very first time I ever experienced a true change in season. You know, I grew up in the desert southwest, and uh, I ended up going to college in the Maritimes of Canada. So the very first time I was traveling to school, I left from Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport in the middle of January. It was a crisp and cool 68 degrees. We took off, traveled for a few hours, and ended up landing in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. And the temperature, I don't even remember what it was. I just know that it started with a minus sign. It was like a 70 degree or more shift in temperature. And I realized that you can experience the same season very differently. Where I had grown up, winters were still winter, but they were pretty mild. And where I was now going to school, winters were ferocious, full of storms and challenge and all kinds of new and interesting things, at least for me. It is a reminder that even in this season, the way that we're experiencing it may be different than someone else. For some of us, this season has been relatively mild. We've had some bumps and challenges and concerns along the way, but, but we've done okay. And for others, it's been a season full of challenge, of storms and concerns and heartache and heartbreak. But wherever you are at, however this season has been for you, the truth remains that for everything there is a season, a time for everything under heaven, that God is at work in and through us even now. He is at work in and through the season that you're in, whether it's pretty mild or pretty challenging. You know, I've been thinking as we've been processing all of this and asking the question, what if you and I could walk through this season, whether challenging or mild, what if we could walk through it in such a way that on the other side of it, we reaped blessings and benefit for years and years to come? What if there was a way for, for you and me to navigate what we're experiencing right now and experience on the other side of it and even through it, benefit, not just for us, but for those around us. It, it may be hard to imagine, but in the scriptures, there's this very real sense that no matter the season we're facing, no matter what it is that we're up against, we can be found faithful in what we're walking through. We can steward what we have in such a way that we do experience blessing and benefit now and next. In fact, there's a passage of scripture that kind of reveals this uniquely, this idea that God is for us. In fact, that's kind of a foundational truth that you and I need to really latch onto as we have our conversation today. God is for us. We see that throughout the scriptures. It's the central story of what God is doing. It's why he sent his son, Christ Jesus, for us. It's why he's given us the gift of one another. He is for us. And as I said, there's a unique passage of scripture where this is revealed in kind of a crazy way. You see, God has just rescued his people from bondage and slavery and darkness. And he is revealing himself to them in a whole new way. 
He reminds them in the book of Exodus, I'm the God who rescues you from impossible circumstances. And because that's who I am, you need to love, trust, and follow me in every circumstance and in every season. And he goes on to say that if you follow him within the boundaries that he's set for relationship with him and one another, then there is blessing and opportunity and thriving. But if we step outside of what he's designed us for. Well, then we find challenge and consequence to our sin, which is what it is to live outside of his great design for us. But here's where we begin to see that he is so for us. I'm picking up the story in Exodus chapter 20. And God is addressing those who have children. And he says this, when parents choose to chase after different priorities than God's, he says the entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. What we see here is that God is so for us that he, he actually limits the curse and consequence of our sin and expands his blessing. This is how for us he is. And if you and I can just embrace this central truth and tenet in scripture, then we begin to find ourselves postured a little differently no matter the season we experience. If we can become convinced in our heart of hearts that God is for us, that he desires wonderful things for me and for you. He desires us to know full and unbroken fellowship with him and one another. And that he has moved heaven and earth to bring that to bear. If we can really embrace that truth, well then, it changes everything for us. And in the midst of that conversation, not only do we see that God is for us, and he is, but we come to another anchor truth, one that we're going to keep coming back to throughout this conversation. We begin to see it as God is talking about how our choices today impact those who come after us, how, how we manage or navigate this season can ripple to those around us and after us. It's this truth. It's that how we manage today matters tomorrow. How we manage today matters tomorrow. Now, that's not some deep and profound truth, but it's another one of those things that if we can kind of keep our eyes on it and allow it to help us set our course, well, then we find we're walking in greater and greater empowerment and freedom. How we manage today matters tomorrow. You and I know that's true because we've seen that the choices we've made on one day have ripple in the days that come. God reminds us that if we choose his way, if we chase after him, well, we're on a trajectory to see his blessing and love lavished on thousands of generations. How we manage today matters tomorrow. But I want you to notice what isn't said there. What we didn't say is that how we try to control today matters tomorrow. In fact, the difference between control and management sounds subtle, but it's really vast. The invitation for you and for me is to steward, to manage what God has placed in our hands. When we try to control something, it assumes that we own it. 
But as we understand that God is for us, that he loves us, that he goes ahead of us, we start to see that everything we have, all of our time, our talent, our treasure, our relationships, our family, our dreams, desires, and aspirations, all that we have is something entrusted to us by their true owner, who's God. And so we are not to try to control what he places in our hands, but to steward it or to manage it, to try to move each of those things toward the thriving that we heard about last week. When you and I are trying to control every circumstance and situation around us, that's where we find ourselves anxious and stressed and having sleepless night after sleepless night, where we're trying to solve every problem and we feel as though the weight of the world is on our shoulders. But when we sense the freedom and joy, and yes, the weight of getting to manage what God has entrusted us with, well, yes, it's a high and mighty calling, but we experience freedom. So here's the invitation for you and for me to to choose today to manage what is today, knowing it matters tomorrow, because how we manage today matters tomorrow. That's another one of those concepts that we see all throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New, that what we do with the opportunities we have, what we do with the seasons of challenge, how we walk through seasons of loss or grief, seasons of plenty or lack, what we do today matters tomorrow, not just for us, but for those around us. In fact, I think each of us has a story in our lives where we can think about that being true for us or as we've seen somebody else manage a season and we've reaped the benefit or the sorrow on the other side of that. Throughout this conversation, we've been listening to stories of some of our heritage family members, people who have been courageous to share about how God has been at work in the different seasons of their lives. And so before we dig more into scripture, I want us to hear from a heritage family. Tom and Denise Van Dale have been connected as part of heritage for quite a while. And you've seen Tom as he's helped lead us in worship from behind the drum kit. And here they are going to share their story with us about how they received with an open hand what God was doing in a season where they got the surprising news that they were going to move from being parents to grandparents a little sooner than they had anticipated. So peek into this story and we'll connect on the other side. Hi, I'm Tom Vandale and this is Denise and uh we have been grandparents for about 11 years. It was a, a bit of an unexpected thing that happened. We thought we were going to be empty nesters and we'd have a daughter off at college and that didn't happen. So the plans that she had, the plans we had, um, they weren't going to be. You know, we just had to love on her because she was frightened to death and uh, she, she just needed us but in a different kind of way. So we had to change our plans and go with his plans and just have to be there for our daughter and our granddaughter. Everything changed after she was born, especially for me uh, anyway. Um, just sitting in the rocking chair when she was a baby and you know rocking her to sleep is something we hadn't done for a while because our kids were you know grown. And uh, a lot of the negative emotions disappeared uh, once she was born. We have the responsibility to make a difference in her life. We have to be 
there for her and teach her about God. People tend to parent the way they were parented. With my granddaughter, I wanted to do something different, and that's one of the reasons why uh, we went to counseling, is to see some of the patterns that we've had growing up and um, how we wanted to not do the same things or make the same mistakes. And so a lot of that was just, you know, asking God to show me where do I need to change this and how can we um, make it so Elena feels like our house is more loving. And we ended up being more close together because we had to work together. And God just said, it's going to be okay. Denise has a, a, a a rock that she put out in front of our, our of our home that says, bloom where God plants you. And it's a little reminder for me every time I look at it, is no matter what the situation is or where I find myself, uh, to do my best uh, in God's eyes and try to see other people, other situations through his eyes, including uh, my own and my granddaughter's. And times are different, uh, but uh, one thing stays the same, and that's God and his his overwhelming love for us, and uh, that's what drives drives us to do what's best for Elena as, as much as we can and help her, both her and her mother. Uh, as we feel like that's our that's our job as grandparents. The best thing to do is to ask God every day, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? And how can I? show love to her and everyone else in our sphere of influence. Being a grandparent has definitely been a blessing and it continues to be a blessing. Um, and we're all learning from it. And I just look forward to uh, what's in the future for our granddaughter and, and for all of us. But uh, we're blessed uh, to have her. We're blessed to be here as, as grandparents. and. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. I am so grateful for how God demonstrated his faithfulness in that story and how he's still doing so today. But didn't you see there how, how we manage today matters tomorrow? I'm praying for the Vandales and their family and trusting that God is going to continue to bring the richness of his relationship in, through, and for them as they continue to chase after him. One of the things that, that really resonated with me in that story is, again, the, the open-handed posture of being ready to receive and willing to press in to whatever God had for them. There's a story of kind of a similar perspective in the book of Genesis. It's about a man named Joseph. We heard some of his story a couple weeks ago when Pastor Beth was teaching. And whether you're really familiar with the Joseph story or you have no idea who I'm talking about right now or you're somewhere in between, I believe God has something unique for us as we dig into what he was doing through the life of this man named Joseph. So Joseph was somebody who knew that God was inviting him into great and wonderful things. But there were moments along the way in his journey where he tried to control the timing or the opportunities that would come his way. 
And he ends up finding himself in a long, dark, challenging season. One where he's forgotten, where he's mistreated, one where it seems that he is on course for a completely forgetful life. And then we see the God of the impossible do some impossible things in his story. We pick it up kind of partway through in his life. And what has been happening is Joseph has literally been in a dark place, living in the bowels of a prison, of a dungeon, stuck and forgotten. He's even had friends who have gotten out of prison. And the last thing he told them is, please don't forget me when you leave. And sure enough, every time they forgot him after they left. But now is his moment to shine. The king of the land named Pharaoh or called Pharaoh invites Joseph to stand before him because the king has been having a series of really strange dreams. They're, they're just kind of crazy and he doesn't know what to do with them and nobody can help him to understand what's happening. So Joseph comes before him and says, the God that I serve can interpret these dreams for you because he's the one who gave them to you. And he begins to explain what God is about to do through Pharaoh and in the land of Egypt. This is what he says in Genesis chapter 41. He says, it is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine that follows will be so severe. Now, we're going to pick this story back up here in a moment, but what you need to understand is Joseph has just told the most powerful king in the world at the time that there are going to be things happening beyond his control something that he's about to step into that he's going to have to manage really well. There's going to be a season of plenty, like overwhelming goodness, followed immediately by a season of famine, where if he doesn't manage the first season well, the second is going to be marked by pain, hardship, and starvation. But if he manages both well, well, it could change everything for the people of Egypt and even the story of the whole world. And so, as Joseph explains this to this king, he is then invited to be the one who manages the leadership of these two seasons. He goes from being in the depths of a prison to being second in command of one of the greatest countries, greatest nations, most powerful nations the world had known at the time. There he is, and just as he predicted a season of plenty happens. And Joseph stores up all of the excess, ready for the next season that's coming. So we pick up his story in verse 53. It says, The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. 
Once again, what we begin to see here is this idea that how we manage today matters tomorrow. In the season of plenty, Joseph had built storehouse after storehouse after storehouse and filled them to the brim with grain. And then the story tells us that in the season of famine, he was able to feed the people of Egypt and actually leverage that resource to enhance the leadership of Egypt in such a way that it changed everything in the region. In fact, because of how Joseph was able to manage the today in his world, the the tomorrow ended up looking completely different than he was even able to imagine at first. Egypt ends up becoming one of the world's first superpowers, a powerhouse in the region of of military might and leadership. The region is saved from starvation, and Joseph's family prospers for generation after generation after generation, eventually becoming so prosperous that they end up threatening the very power structures of Egypt. And that's a crazy story that we'll have to get into on another day. Beyond that, it positions the people of Joseph's family for a huge role in the world and in the story that God is telling. There's no way he could have known that in the today that he was given to manage. But his faithful stewardship of what was before him positioned God to do amazing, incredible, impossible things. And I think for you and for me, the invitation today is to live in the awareness that God is in control and we are not. That where we have been tempted to seize control and try to force things into being, God is actually at work. And if we'll just release those spaces of control and live in open-handed stewardship and management of it, and say, Lord, whatever you place in my hand, help me to be faithful with it. And whatever you release from my hand, help me to trust you with it. If we can do that every day, regardless of season and circumstance, then we'll find that God continues to do impossible, amazing, incredible things in us and through us and even for us and the world around us. Our invitation is the same one that Joseph faced. Whether you're in that dark season where it feels like you have been lost and forgotten and mistreated, or you're in a space where you look around and you realize you're the most powerful person in the room, Whichever one it is, the invitation is the same. To remember that everything we hold is God's first. That he has entrusted it to us. And the invitation is for us to manage it really, really well. Now, I know that as we have this conversation, some of that can feel like pressure. But I want you to understand that that God doesn't pressure us. He, He doesn't drive us. He actually invites us into new seasons, new spaces, new understandings. And part of his invitation, his draw for us today is to release the pressure to perform and embrace the opportunity to live in the reality that he is for us. And if we can trust that he's for us, then we can take whatever we find in this season. Ask him for wisdom and strength to manage it well and see him do the impossible. You know, Joseph was incredible. Jesus was even more 
amazing. And in the life and teachings of Jesus, we see him do miraculous, uh, overwhelming things. But in John chapter 14, one of the things that Jesus tells his first followers is that because he is sending us his spirit, his followers are going to end up doing even greater things than Jesus did. The reason I share that with you and me today is because in the seasons of life, in the place where we are today, I believe God wants to remind us that he has invited us into relationship with him. And that when we receive Jesus, we receive his spirit of wisdom. We don't have to have all the answers. We simply need to seek him for wisdom, to know what it looks like to live today with an open hand, to trust him with tomorrow, to be faithful in the now, and to see him move now and next. This is the invitation for you and for me today. In Joseph's story, in the Van Dale's story, we see this posture of choosing to manage today because it, man- it matters tomorrow and relinquishing control in each circumstance. So I wonder for you, it's a question I've been asking myself as well, where have you been trying to control what God has asked you to manage Where have you been trying to control what God has asked you to manage? Understanding that, yes, there are some things that you and I need to be found faithful in and move those in our lives and ourselves toward goodness and rightness and thriving and safety. If you are in a space today where where you're being abused or your life is in danger or there's great toxicity, the invitation for you is to find and seek help to step into a season of thriving and goodness. But for those of us who are managing the complexity of the season around us, it's to continue to hold it with an open hand and ask the question, where have you been trying to control what God has asked you to manage? As a way of providing space for you and I to to reflect on that, to hear Holy Spirit, the same Spirit Jesus promised who would empower us to do even greater things, to listen as he reveals to us where we've been grasping for control. I'm going to invite you to sit where you are in an open posture. In fact, in a prayerful posture, even with your hands open like this, as a physical reminder that we ask God to place in our hand what he'll entrust to us and remove from us what we need to trust him with. As you do that, our team is going to lead us in in a beautiful rendition of a song called Seasons. And in that song is a reminder and a declaration that God is faithful in every season. He is for us and we can trust him. So as they lead us, ask, where have you been trying to control what God has asked you to manage? Like the frost on the rose Winter comes for a soul Oh, how nature acquaints us With the nature of patience Like a seed in the snow I have been buried to grow 
is royal from sea to sequoia and i know though the winter is long even richer the harvest it brings though my waiting prolongs even greater you promise for me
Surrounding me, let it break at your name. Still, call the sea to still, the rage in me to still every wave at your name. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus. Your silence fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Breathe, call these bones to live, call these lungs to sing once again. I will pray.
So 
Let worship turn into revival. Lead us back to you. Lead us back to you.